Welcome to MoneyWeb Now. Business news every morning. It's Tuesday, 20 December. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you loud and recorded from the MoneyWeb Global Headquarters in Johannesburg, South Africa. On the show today, chatting with Craig Antonio. He's from Enbro Capital. Fang stocks, yo, it was a horror for them this year. Is there any value there? And then Jimmy Moyaha talking local local telcos. Uh, Telcom had a shocking year. MTN week. Vodacom's the only one that really held on in 2022. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Chatting with Craig and Tony here, of course, Anbro Capital. Uh, Craig, appreciate time today. Uh, you, you're one of the folks who, I was going to say brave, but it wasn't brave. It was, it was perhaps just really, really tough year who are investing your unicorn fund in, in, in many markets. But part of it is FANGs. Of course, that's no longer FANGs because Meta and Alphabet have changed their name. And it's been a bit of a mixed bag. Apple at the best down 20%. Meta, the worst off, down 66%. I mean, your, your take on, on the price action. I mean, it. It, some folks say it reminded them of, of the 2000 sell-off, but the difference here is that these are companies that are making profits and, in most cases, got piles of cash. Yes, 100% correct, Simon. Well, thanks again for having me. Always happy to be here. I mean, as you rightly said, you know, these stocks have come down a lot this year with the best of the bunch being Apple at just a 22% mm. decline. I mean, if you equally weighted a portfolio of these stocks this year, you would have been down about 41% on average, which is quite eye-watering when you're considering the sort of size of the businesses and the sort of names we're talking about here, right? And um, as you alluded to, you know, earnings are under pressure. And although we are still seeing growth at the earnings level, the growth is certainly slowing. And when we look at the results for these businesses that are, I guess, for many of them, you know, across the, the globe at the moment, and I look at the sort of last quarter numbers that have come out, you know, one word sort of sticks out in my mind is, mm. is what these results look like. And, and it's just really good old messy. I mean, the numbers have been heck of a messy this year. And if we break it down a bit, there are a couple of things we can point to to that. I mean, first yeah. of all, you know, you had these massive moves, you know, in profits and sales and that during the whole COVID period. And that created very tough comparisons for these business to, businesses to leap over this year. That was already going to set them up for a, a bit of a tough year. Then, of course, we had the war in Ukraine. And, you know, that has many implications. I mean, first of all, yeah. a lot of these businesses are global, right? So, I mean, they had to just shut down their businesses in Russia almost entirely overnight. There's also been a very big you know, and massive toll to consumer confidence globally, but especially in Europe on the back of this. And then, of course, I mean, there's the massive surge in energy costs. And now that's added to you know, cost pressures for economies in the region and around the globe. I mean, there were those two things. Then, obviously, all of that caused a big spike in inflation. And that had massive cost implications as well. You know, countries, companies, consumers, you know, all over the show trying to grapple with that. And then on top of that, some pretty big forex moves as well, which are now hurting companies, you know, that are now global by nature and are bringing profits back, whether it be from the Europe or, or UK or, you know, Africa, Asia, where, wherever you like. So it's just been a really, really tough year. And of course, China and their delayed COVID, um, COVID lockdowns has, you know, has also impacted supply chains. You know, so it's just been a really, really messy year. And I'm sure for most of these businesses, they, 
they can't wait to get this one behind them. Yeah, as you, as you go through that list, it, it, it seems to be almost, in a sense, uh, never-ending. I mean, are, are any yeah. of them? I mean, so they've had earnings under pressure, as you point out, <coughs> very messy. A lot of that, not of their own making. I mean, you know, dollar strength, nothing you can do about it. Wars, COVIDs. I mean, it, you know, this isn't companies sort of losing their way. Um, any, any that stand out and you think to yourself, hang on a sec, this is actually a, a really good opportunity, perhaps. For sure. Well, I think, you know, one of the things you look at when you look at so the relative valuation of these opportunities and, and you weigh it up compared to, you know, all these massive headwinds they've had over the last, say, 12, 18 months or so. The one context, the way I like to look at that is, or to put it into context, is to say, are these headwinds for these companies permanent in nature? Mm-hmm. Or as you alluded to, are they temporary in nature? And and one of the sort of nice analogies I like to think about at times like this is to say, well, are these headwinds just dark skies on the horizon? You know, and then once the storm has passed, there's sunny days ahead. Or are it like we're moving into sort of a permanent winter here? And I would like to think that you know, there certainly are sunny days ahead for these businesses once all of this gets um, put to bed and, and gets put behind them. Um, valuation, of course, is more about just earnings, Simon, as we know. I mean, it's also about perception, right, and yeah. how markets are perceived, you know, from investors on a global basis. And in the growth um, sort of stock universe in particular, you know, this has been a, a year where there's been very large shift in investor sentiment toward these companies. You know, as interest rates have risen, the the sentiment has shifted from growth at any cost sort of mindset or mentality to one of now looking for companies that have big cash flows, massive margins, or making profits, etc. And to your point, you made a couple of seconds ago. You know, these companies in in large or by and large fit that profile. You know, so one's got to take a look at the massive resetting we've seen in share prices relative to you know, the earnings that they're capable of generating and, you know, take out all these headwinds and think, well, where do we go from here? And we think, you know, there certainly is a some really nice opportunity for patient long-term investors in this space. Yeah, I, I take the point there. And, and it is perhaps that patience because we're not quite sure when it's over. Well, what about Meta? Because Meta, previously Facebook, I mean, they've got three of the biggest assets in the world, uh, you know, Instagram, uh, Facebook itself, and then, of course, WhatsApp. You know, a billion plus users in each of those, a lot more than just a billion on, on uh, Facebook. But they going, Mark Zuckerberg is going very big into into the metaverse. I mean, do, are you seeing that as opportunity? And if you are, is meta the, the, the right play on the metaverse? Well, it's an interesting one. I think, you know, the market has clearly taken a sword to the, the whole metaverse paradigm and they're not necessarily buying into it right now and one of the ways you can see that you know pretty simply in my mind is you know if you look at meta from a pe perspective they screen is very cheap yeah if you look at them from a peg ratio perspective (laughs) where we look at the p relative to growth they're not necessarily very cheap and they don't screen very you know very cheaply there so what what that's making me think is that the market is almost shifting its view to this business as as more of a value play than a growth play now one of the big reasons that you know meta bounced off its lows in the sort of early november was that you know they they really came out and announced some massive staff cuts you know they're, they're cutting about eleven thousand staff members from their payroll and i think you know that was ironically quite an important sort of juncture for the business you know during the results call the analysts out there were very i think afraid of how costs were spiraling out of control and we're saying you know you're spending an fortune on this metaverse project 
no one's quite sure yet whether or not it's going to work. And, you know, costs are spiraling out of control. What are you going to do about that to, to really just rein in the business as a whole and make sure that, you know, you can live to fight another day, so to speak, if this metaverse thing doesn't play out or as expected. And I think, you know, that's, you know, that's still out there. I think the jury's out there saying, you know, the, this metaverse move is still something they're not 100% sure of. But if you strip that out and look at the core of their business, I mean, they're still, as you said, Simon, a massive player in multiple verticals, huge user base, still generate enormous profits and cash flows, and they're very cheap. So I think, you know, an investor's almost got to look at them now and say, well, you know, I'm paying a value multiple for them. And, you know, the metaverse is potentially any upside. But whilst this is metaverse overhang, I won't necessarily see, you know, huge share price performance from here until we get some clarity on that. Yeah, I actually remember during the course of the year, Meta actually went into some value uh, uh, ETFs getting taken out of the growth ones. And, and and we actually chatted about this before. One of the things that Mark Zuckerberg talked around, he said talked about the mistake he made last year. And I remember we spoke when Shopify said it as well, where there was an expectation that the acceleration in online uh, 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 shopping, online retail that we saw in the pandemic would remain and largely it's actually reverted back to the mean. And that, that's caught a number of big tech stocks out by surprise. Yes, definitely. Well, I mean, as you mentioned earlier when we were chatting and we we're talking about whether there's, you know, upside or or value in these mm. stocks, so to speak, you know, the first thing that people look at is obviously, you know, on path on this path to profits and sustainable profits, et cetera, is obviously your costs. And, you know, first and foremost, when, you know, when one looks at the growth sector of the market, you know, costs are front and center at the moment. And in most instances, when people talk about cutting costs, they talk about headcount reduction, you know, because these yeah. cars spend a lot of money on staff and they pay these staff a lot. And, you know, if you've seen a, a sort of deceleration in growth, you have a very bloated cost base. And as I said, I mean, you know, Meta's already cut off 11,000 jobs, you know, in the last sort of month or so. And that's now true for, for many other companies. You know, if you look at the space, you know, you saw, uh, you know, I suppose Twitter cut off mm-hmm. 8,000 odd jobs, you know, when, when Elon Musk took over there. I mean, uh, Amazon came out earlier in November as well, said they sort of shedding 10,000 jobs. So it's starting to accelerate. And I think, um, you know, this whole massive spending bubble, if you like, you know, going into this whole COVID thing, which turned out to be wrong, just means now that there's a lot of right sizing that are happening in these companies. And, you know, a company like Amazon, for example, has always been very good at that. And, you know, we're starting to see, I think, that take hold now, which, again, you know, puts these companies in a better position going forward, you know, particularly if next year is going to be another tough one and we do head into a recession. Yeah, I take a point on that. Next year might be tough, but I, I don't think it can be 2022. That list you went through at the beginning, a lot, a lot really hurt companies this year. We'll leave it there, uh, Craig and Tony. And Broke Capital, always appreciate the early mornings and appreciate the time over the year. Thanks, Craig. There's no postponing the inevitable. Your money knew this day would come. And you know what? It can hardly wait to start giving some back to you. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money.
Chatting with uh, Jimmy Moyoho, chatting uh, Telco Stocks. Jimmy, appreciate the time today. Uh, looking at, at the year to date of, of, of the three main telcos on our market, Vodacom, kind of flattish, MTN, off 20, uh, Telcom, the, the really horror show, down uh, uh, what over a third uh, over the course of the year. This is excluding dividends that have been paid. Let's start with that, Telcom. It, 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 it's been a bit of a horror. They were going to unbundle SwiftNet. They delayed that because of concerns around market conditions. Then they were in talks with MTN that got canned uh, and the last set of results short answer market did not like Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, if you look at the um, interim results that we saw coming out of September, the market was not happy with that. Um, earnings before interest in tax were down about 17%. Headline earnings down about 51%. Basic earnings down about 52%. Um, and, and really, the, the story around Telcom at this point is the best thing to have happened to them was that conver- the potential conversation around MTN. Because realistically, beyond that, they haven't really performed very well. As you mentioned, down a third for the year to date. But if you look at these um, this, all three stocks. You look at Telcom, MTN, uh, Vodacom. Mm. Uh, over the last three years, and I think the three-year comparison is something that um, yeah. we're going to see more and more of as people start to compare pre-pandemic levels, what happened in the pandemic, and that sort of thing. In the last three years, Vodacom's gone up about eleven, maybe eleven and a half percent. MTN's been up about fifty percent. Telcom's been down sixteen percent, almost seventeen percent. So really, hasn't been uh, a star performer this year or, or over the last three years. So um, I think of the three, they're probably uh, going to be, or they're undoubtedly the worst performer of the three, and they are going to continue to struggle. Um, we haven't seen much out of them uh, other than, of course, what we, what you and I spoke about around the SwiftNet business being mm. um, probably their one big thing that they're still holding on to. They did announce that um, BCX partnership with Alibaba Cloud, but I mean, that's also going to be subject to... Uh, what they're able to do with that from a BCS uh, perspective as a business unit. Um, but I mean, we we can't ignore the fact that Telcom also lost their chairman. He's now gone to focus on the APSA business. Um, but yeah, overall, I think Telcom's probably going to be the worst performing of the three stocks. Um, the, the numbers clearly say that it is. Uh, and I don't see that getting any better. I don't see that changing of uh, anytime soon. And you mentioned the, the three-year chart. Now, I, I've pulled that one up. And the, the, the key thing, I mean, Lex Park Telcom, the, the sad telecom, Vodacom's done kind of what people expected to. It's sort of gently just gone along, no fireworks given the return. MTN, however, it crashes, it goes crazy. At one point, it was up 160%. Now it's only sort of 60-odd percent. And that's always been my understanding of the distinction between the two. Your your Vodacom was sort of your widows and orphans and your MTN was sort of your, your high fly. Absolutely. And if you look at the um, year-to-date performance, that that's, um, speaks mm-hmm. to that as well. Vodacom's year-to-date performance only down 3%, marginally, basically flat. Uh, MTN down 20%, but as you rightly mentioned, at one stage was up 160%. Um, I think if you if you have to look at the comparison between MTN and Vodacom, um, yes, MT, uh, Vodacom has been uh, sort of operate or um, the share price has been treated more of a blue chip type share price where there's a lot more consistency, it's very vanilla and that sort of thing. And MTN's come out with a lot more volatility. But what MTN is doing that Vodacom isn't is they're aggressively acquiring more market share. And I think in the long term, that's going to serve MTN better. So what you've seen in the last year, even in the last two 
two, three years, MTN has been far more aggressive in the African market. Their footprint has grown quite significantly. Vodacom only recently, I think, uh, just finalized that deal with uh, Vodafone Egypt for that mm-hmm. 55% stake. But MTN has been in Nigeria, they're in Ghana, they're in Rwanda, they're in Uganda. They finalized the sale of their um, Afghan business to get out of Afghanistan. They've settled what was the lawsuit in Iran regarding the Turkcell Iranian business. And what you're seeing there is they've been far more aggressive in their approach to the market, and that's extended towards other services. MTN is absolutely dominating the 5G space at the moment. Mm-hmm. Their speed is faster than Vodacom's, their latency is lower than Vodacom's, and their coverage is almost three times what Vodacom has at the moment in terms of 5G. They're at 20%, Vodacom's only at 6, uh, 6.4, 6.5%. So MTN, for its aggression, has definitely paid off, and I think the types of investments that they've made in terms of infrastructure investments and that sort of thing are probably going to serve it a lot better in terms of a more exponential growth path than Vodacom at this stage. Does that mean that, that MTN is the better pick or is it still a case of, you know, horses for courses? In other words, if you want some volatility and, and, and some, you know, high-flying emerging markets, MTN is your game. And if you want some sort of sleep well at night, a little bit boring, uh, Vodafone parent who probably restricts Vodacom's aggression, then maybe Vodacom's the better one. I think to a certain extent that is the play. Um, but if you look at, uh, like I said, the, the advancements that MTN is making, mm. uh, they, this is this is going to be both shares are priced at around 130 rand, 130, 133 rand, right? Mm-hmm. Vodacom in recent times hasn't broken beyond 160. I think the March highs were 163 rand. MTN's February highs were around 211 rand. So yes, your Vodacom is going to give you a lot less volatility. It's going to be your more vanilla of the two options, but at this point, investors are going to be looking to come out of recessions and things and make money on a long-term basis. And what you could probably find is at the rate at which MTN is growing, they've got a very stable leadership at the helm at the moment. And at the rate at which they're able to adapt and diversify into new markets and diversify their strategy to focus on core markets, which for them is Africa, you're going to find that your MTN is going to probably perform similar to how your Capitec performed, where your uh, Vodacom will perform how your other banks performed. You saw the, the exponential growth that we saw from Capitec to reach 2,000 rand a share, whereas other banking stocks didn't perform the same. Granted, other banking stocks had done things like stock splits and they had more shares in issue and that sort of thing. Sure. But from a performance perspective, your your robust approach that MTN is taking is probably going to give them a better reach, especially as a tech company and as we go into a space where guys are going to be seeking out returns. Vodacom, probably good to, to have in your portfolio if you want that bit of stability. But I don't think people come into telecommunications for a bit of stability. You come into it for growth. <laughs> if you want stability, you're going to put your money in the banks. If you want stability, you're going to put your money in property spaces or your, your property um, stocks. But your telecom guys, you need them to be showing growth. Look at what happened to Blue Label Telecoms. Look at what happened to Cell see when they stopped showing signs of life and they stopped showing the growth that we expected. What you could also find is if MTN 
play their cards right. And you and I have debated this a number of times throughout the year is if Telcom unbundles that SwiftNet business and yeah. MTN goes in and acquires that, just that, that's because essentially that's all they're really looking for is the infrastructure to be able to roll out the rest of their product. They've already got the um, MTN mobile money business and that's performing probably better than Vodacom's and Pesa business and Vodacom's version of uh, the money business. And if they get the infrastructure from um, the telecom business, from that SwiftNet business, that could then catapult them way above Vodacom. And, and a, a quick last question. I mean, I was holding MTN back in what was it, 2015 when they got into trouble in that in Nigeria. And I saw just because, I mean, come on, you 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 don't play games with your regulator. But the, the new management mm. team, they really, you know, they, they, they always say, no, we, we're new and improved. Truthfully, they are. Mm. I mean, that's unlikely. They've, they've had the issue. I think it was at Ghana, Uganda, and they, they complied. Yeah, so I mean, they sorted out the license renewal in Uganda. They put down $100 million. They're amortizing that over a number of years. They're quite happy with that. And I think if you if you held Vodacom and MTN, so if you look at someone who had held Vodacom and MTN from as far back as 2009, mm. then yes, Vodacom was the better performing stock. It would have yielded you a better return. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have paid you a higher dividend. I think that div- between 2009 and, and this year, it would have been about 6.6% for Vodacom and about 2.2% for MTN. So yes, uh, MTN has sort of... Um, not delivered in terms of share price. Their share price has only been up 17-odd percent. Vodacom's has done 120% from 50 rand to about 130 rand or so. But that was a different set of circumstances. That was coming out of yeah. a 2008 financial crisis. That is now, this This is exactly the type of trajectory we're looking at um, coming out of the COVID crisis, the inflationary crisis, the recessionary crisis that we're looking at now. So 2009 is now going to be the, the base year that we're now going to compare probably 2023, maybe even 2024 to when we then look at historical data come another 10 years from now, because we would have come out of depressing conditions in 2008, depressing conditions in 2022. So this is now going to be that big difference. And I think the differentiator this time around is MTN looks like they're going to come out ahead at the stage. I got your point on that. Okay, MTN for the win. Simple enough. We leave it there, Jimmy Miyaha. Uh, always appreciate the time this morning and uh, over the course of the year. Thank you very much. Your money knows it's not just about the money. It's about your returns returning the favor and empowering people. Your money can do more to change the narrative. Beyond delivering consistent returns, investing in the Stanley Kanisa Impact Investment Fund can help eradicate poverty and protect the environment. Invest for more impact at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. That's it for today. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live, recorded this week, every weekday morning on the MoneyWeb website and the app at 6.30 a.m. podcast just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nobohle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their time. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again tomorrow how ETFs saved our portfolios in 2022. Listen to the live stream of MoneyWeb Now at the same time every weekday. For more business, finance and investment news, MoneyWeb Now on the money. Also available on podcast.